I think my I think my advice would be to say no more. Right? <laughs> like it is it is very easy, and I think this is kind of parallel to, to kind of what we were talking about before and taking a breath before you you answer something. Same thing with you you don't have to go chasing everything that's out there, right? As an 18 year old that, you know, uh, it, it kind of seems like you were saying with your, with your teenage daughters, right? That, that everything seems like it has to happen right now and you have to do everything. And, um, you know, I don't think that that hurt me in the long run, but I think that, you know, my life would have been a little, it would have been a little less chaotic. Welcome to the Wise Genetic Podcast. I'm Daryl, your hostess with the mostest. I don't know why I said that. I've been wanting to for like a few weeks. The head of sales here with Wise Genetics. And today I've got Dr. April Horval here with me with Vet Now. And there's some really cool stuff that's going on with her company. April, tell us a little bit about it. Okay. All right. So I guess, you know, we should start back at the beginning. So I'm actually a, um, an equine veterinary dental specialist by trade. So I still, you know, practice part time when I when I can, but a great majority of my focus is on VetNow at this point. Um, VetNow started from my veterinary hospital in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Um, I founded the hospital in 2016 to really be a companion animal and equine specialty hospital. Um, and really, our challenge in in opening that facility wasn't getting customers through the door. It was actually staffing it with veterinarians and in particular veterinary specialists. And so VetNow really started as a concept to connect the ER vets and general practitioners I had on my staff with specialists around the country to be able to, you know, provide augmented advice, be able to provide options when they couldn't access specialty care in person. And so that's really where we started, but you know the company's really changed a lot since then. Um, we started uh, in 2019. We separated from the hospital, so really VetNow's been been going for about four years, and we really um, worked at first in that specialty care realm, but really transformed first to providing access to higher level care um, for people in remote and rural areas. And that led us down the path to work much more with livestock and food producing veterinarians. Um, in that case, of course, the, the, um, the advent or the, the issue with food animal veterinarians has become much more acute um, than even companion animal vet shortages over the last few years, particularly when you're talking about providing access to rural care, um, getting the advice that's needed when it's needed, and also, you know, the regulatory and other challenges that surround the food production industry are, are much more significant, of course. And so that's really kind of led us down that road. We also have really transformed, too, from being just a telemedicine company to being a company that works much more in connecting the, the objective data, so things that are stored in records and in dashboards and in systems on farms and regulatory paperwork that exists and connecting that to the subjective overview of veterinarians and managers and making sure that, you know, everyone in a particular system is on the same page. So it's really been, you know, quite a, quite a unique trajectory. Yeah, no, for sure. That's a 
very different trend, like trajectory going from, you know, an animal hospital mm -hmm. to what you are now. Yeah. Um, and what a cool 2023 sort of company to be. <laughs> I mean, it's really, it really is at the intersection of, you know, with technology and data being, you know, and, and taking on, you know, what they are today and the importance mm -hmm. in society, but also with the shortage of veterinarians and the issues with access to veterinary care, um, it's really allowed me to have a, a much, much bigger impact, right? And so that's something that, you know, is really exciting uh, to, to me and to my colleagues too. Sure, absolutely. Impact is, I'm glad that you feel that it's big. It's big for us here too at Wisenetics. Mm -hmm. We wanna do the same thing you're doing, impact as many people as possible. Mm -hmm. um, everybody gets asked this question, in fact, the next two, everybody does. But what are your top three achievements and what did you learn from those experiences? Okay, so so I would, you know, say probably, you know, the first being becoming a veterinarian in the first place, right? And I think that, you know, it's really, that's really been very fulfilling in terms of, you know, the the ability to help animals and to help people too, right? And I think that that sometimes is lost to the general public that that vets by helping animals often help quite a bit, quite a few people too, right? So that's that's been really fulfilling. And just being able to to become a vet because most kids at some point say they want to be a vet, right? Um, but being able to actually follow through with that and, and become a veterinarian um, has been, you know, incredibly rewarding and, and challenging at the same time. Um, I would say kind of stacking on top of that, then maybe the second one would be becoming an equine veterinary dental specialist. So this is something that I, I also don't think a lot of people and maybe even a lot of horse owners don't know, um, that it's a very new specialty. It's only been around for about 10 years. And so really being part of that, you know, formative group of people that, that were involved with the organization and going through the process of becoming a specialist, um, you know, having the opportunity, I was able to do my training for that in Scotland, which was also amazing. And so it gave me the opportunity to, to live abroad for several years. Um, and, you know, really being able to have an impact on that organization and that specialty as a whole and, and really, you know, share my love of that clinical work with people has been incredibly rewarding. And then I'd say probably, you know, the, the third is maybe, maybe a combined thing from, you know, starting my vet hospital and starting the vet now business, being able to, to start businesses and really see them from ground zero, right? Being just an idea and being able to bring unique solutions to the floor, really help people, um, you know, really help uh, veterinarians, veterinary technicians, and other people develop their careers, um, having an impact on the community, and you know, be solving problems on the fly and really facing new challenges that I never anticipated as a veterinarian. Um, I would say that's also been something that's been you know really challenging, but also rewarding so far in my career. That's awesome. Not so super pioneer. One of the first in, uh, in, you know, help forming your, your specialty there. And then uh, it sounds like you're a little bit of like me. Challenges are rewarding to me. Yeah, um, and so, so it's awesome to hear that, that you have that outlook. This is a funny question because I don't know if my parents would say anything near what I actually do. But how would your parents describe 
what you do. Okay. So, I mean, I think, I think the, the, the clinical part of it, I think they have a pretty good, pretty good beat on, right? Maybe that, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm an ENT or a, you know, a, a maxillofacial surgeon for horses. That's, you know, that's what, how they describe it. I do think, you know, in terms of software, that is a little more amorphous, right? And so they, they would say, I'm, you know, I'm developing software for vets, but that's about as, as far as they would go down that road, I think. I, that's a lot closer than my parents would get. <laughs> <laughs> Way closer, but uh, awesome, awesome. Um, kind of switching gears a little bit here, talking more about what happens in the business, specifically on the marketing side, which I always find fascinating. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, when you're thinking about marketing, do you think about positioning and sharing technical content and like the importance that is for your brand? Yeah, I mean, I think to an extent, this is something that we discuss a lot. We just had a, you know, we have a new product that we're building and, um, It's to manage, help veterinarians, especially ambulatory vets, manage their vet-client-patient relationships, which have to be renewed in a lot of states by an in-person visit to a farm once a year. And so that's become a big administrative burden. And so we're, we're kind of building this module and we're having a lot of conversations about how much should we share about what we're doing, right? Because there is that, and it, it is a very delicate balance where you want people to understand what the benefits of it could be and how they, you know, could use the tool and why they should pay us for the tool, right? Right. But, but on the other side, it's it's software and it's not patent protected because it's software. Um, and, you know, there, there's a lot of, sharing of ideas. And I think this big, also this big picture impact of integrating multiple pieces of software from other companies, right, that that potentially could be partners. And so I think that balancing the, you know, the risk and the reward of sharing that technical information is something that really wasn't faced until more recently in the in the industry, right? And so I'm not saying that we've found a perfect balance by any means, but we try to focus more on sharing the benefits than sharing the features specifically, if that makes sense, to keep us, you know, to, to keep us kind of balancing that as well as we can. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. I mean, and that balance probably changes week to week, month to month sometimes. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yep. Awesome. Well, with that, you know, is that part of your challenges, like the technical thing, or are there bigger challenges that VetNow is facing in terms of like marketing and communication? Yeah, I mean, I think probably our, our biggest challenge actually is the fact that we have multiple audiences. So a lot of the time, and this, this kind of goes together because a veterinarian may want to know a certain thing about the product, whereas a manager on the farm may want to know something else. And the, the person that, you know, cares for the animals on a daily basis wants to know something else. And the, if we're talking about a big production system, maybe that private equity guy at the top wants to know something else entirely, right? And so I would say in turn, like when we're talking about marketing and communications, that's probably our biggest challenge because frankly, you know, I'm not an expert in marketing, but the people in marketing that I work with regularly 
are asking always, who's your audience? Who's your audience? Who's your customer? Who's your customer? And there's not one, right? There's, there's our customers are multiple and they're, they're complex too, right? Because they, they want different things. Um, they want, you know, vets may want to spend less time on the road, but they also, by the same token, say, well, you know, we make our money by spending time on the road, right? By driving and, and charging mileage. And so trying to find that, you know, that benefit or that win for them can be challenging. Same with managers, right? Trying to, uh, you know, sometimes trying to explain that, you know, by saving them money, you're actually making them money is is something that's a little uh, challenging to understand for people too. So getting those like multiple complex messages across um, has been one of our biggest challenges. And we've really tried to, you know, break those down and make them as, as simple as possible. But it's certainly still something that is that is probably our, our biggest challenge in marketing to date. I, I totally hear that deeply in my soul, especially when, like you said, you're, you're targeting multiple different um, personas that are very different. It's definitely hard to get that message out there. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's your biggest challenge right now in marketing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What's yeah. the biggest challenge for you in general right now? Um, oh, gosh. The biggest challenge for me in, in general is, you know, I, I would have to say the, the environment that we are living in, right? The, the uh, economy and the, um, you know, the, the state of, let's say, you know, we work a lot in the swine business. And so the state of the economy coupled with, you know, the, the prices for, for pork and the prices, the cost of the inputs right now in terms of corn and fuel and things like that, um, the economic uncertainty that a lot of people are experiencing. And then there's still that, that undercurrent of African swine fever and disease outbreaks generally. All of that has created a lot of, there, there's just a lot of uncertainty. And so it's kind of created this, this paralysis almost. It's, it's very odd. It would almost be better if the economy was just bad, I hate to say, in some ways, <laughs> like if everything was just recession, that would be a lot simpler than right now people are kind of waiting a lot, yeah. right? There's a lot of waiting happening. And so I would say that actually, so a lot, unfortunately, our biggest challenges in some ways are factors that are very much out of our control. I, I don't think anybody could have said it better than you just did. And in fact, I really like that you said paralysis. Um, you know, I would say, we here at WiseNetics are experiencing pretty much the same thing, especially in swine. Um, and then I guess, broadly speaking, the same thing everywhere as well, you know? Yep. I mean, pancakes cost more than they did last year, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is true. <laughs> yeah, let's not get started on groceries. Um, I always <laughs> find this is a fun question because it's enlightening to me. What is one lesson in your job that you has that your job really has taught you um, that you think everyone should learn? Yeah, I, I think that you know taking a taking a breath before you say yes or no to something is really important. Taking a moment, you know, I think we live in you know this this hyper engaged society where it's like, oh, I got that email two minutes ago, I have to answer it right away. 
And I think that, you know, with the businesses I've run now over the last seven years, right? Um, that's a little unbelievable, actually, uh, <laughs> to think about. But it's really important to to take a step back and look at the big picture, right? It's really important um, to think about the consequences down the road. So instead of, you know, making snap decisions, sometimes sometimes you have to. I'm not saying that. But if you can take a few minutes and just think about the, the consequences of your decisions, I think that that's something that I've really learned. Um, and if I had known that seven years ago, um, even maybe even two or three years ago, to, to just, you know, think about things, think them through a little further um, and don't come to that, that rush uh, decision, I think that that's something that, you know, I can't emphasize enough. Awesome. If uh, I'm going to have my stepdaughters actually listen to this because they could take a lot of that, not saying they will, they're teenagers, but uh, <laughs> yeah. sometimes taking that breath or that three count can, mm -hmm. can make a difference. Yeah, That's absolutely. really cool that you said that kind of building on that just a little bit. Uh -huh. Are there any tools that you find indisposable to you? Like for me, my calendar is my life. Yeah. Like if I don't have that set up, my day is messed up. So I'm curious what you do. No, absolutely. So I use, so yeah, my calendar is huge, right? If it's not on my calendar, I, I do not remember it, right? That my calendar saves me on many occasions. Um, I also use a tool called Simple Minds, which helps you kind of make a, it, it's like a mind map, a, a workflow um, that you can build and, and kind of look at on your computer or your, your iPhone or whatever, and helps you kind of brainstorm and, and link items together, right? So it makes this big web and you can really understand then how, thing, how things are linked together and how your brain is really putting the pieces together and big ideas. So that tool has been really helpful. Um, and I have to say, I, I, I guess I use a lot of pen and paper, right? I use a ton of pen and paper. And even when I'm making to-do lists, right? yeah, I love crossing things off, but having them in front of me. And so, you know, I, um, despite us being, you know, a software company and a, a tech company and lots of people that I work with, you know, trying to transition me off the pen and paper, um, I think it's really helpful sometimes just to sit down and, and write things out as opposed to, you know, trying to do it all online. Yeah, no, I'm actually with you there. I actually tried to do it. I have an iPad. I've got the Apple pen. I tried to do that. It just wasn't the same for some reason, putting the pen on the paper and that kind of like physical connection really helps me mm -hmm. organize my ideas way yeah. better than otherwise. Um, awesome. Here's an interesting question, you know, before we kind of, rope into kind of slowing down and, and closing out here. Would you say like brand authority is really important for vet now? Oh, that's a hard question, actually. Um, I think that, yeah, I think us having, and we've really, so we've been around for a few years now and we work or have worked with a lot of industry leaders. And so I think building that kind of brand recognition has been important. Um, but by the same token, in some ways, people still just see us as like a telemedicine app, right? And so I think that that in some ways, actually kind of rebranding or not, maybe not even going that far, but, you know, expanding or, or minimizing even the brand, right, is 
maybe maybe the way forward. So kind of a mixed question. Mixed. That's answer. interesting. Yeah, no, no, that, that's interesting. And then maybe it's part of like the transitions you've had. It, it makes sense that that idea may still be out there mm-hmm. that you're just telemedicine. Right. Um, but kind of moving into the softer questions here, more fun. What's an occupation other than what you do right now yeah. that you would have liked to do? So I know this is kind of a complete 180, um, but I actually really enjoy law and, and constitutional law, actually. What? <laughs> so that was my, uh, that was I, in college for, for a, a split second. I actually was like, I'm going to go to law school and be a constitutional lawyer instead. So it's a, you know, it's a complete divergence um, from, from anything else, right? But that's certainly something that, that I've considered. Um, honestly, I don't think I like being a vet now um, and having I think it's this, this combination of clinical work and, you know, the, the more I hate to say it more. It's different stimulation. It's not more stimulation, but these challenges that are more amorphous and, you know, more, you know, that require some more maybe strategic as opposed to linear thinking in some ways. I think that having that combination is really helpful. And I think that that's, that's probably why something like that spoke to me in the first place. Sure. But I think I've ended up in a, a better spot because I couldn't see myself actually being anything other than a vet. <laughs> I'll be honest. I didn't see that coming, but, <laughs> <laughs> but that's pretty funny. In another timeline, you're yeah, a constitutional exactly. attorney. Exactly. <laughs> no. um, kind of, Building down off that a little bit, did you always want to be a founder, CEO, in charge of your own oh, your destiny? Um, yes and no, right? This was so my my father is a serial entrepreneur, and so it is something that, you know, I always knew I wanted to say have my own practice or, you know, build build a hospital or something like that. But this growth into kind of a parallel industry is not something that I anticipated and it's not something I, I actually imagined doing. Um, but I'm very glad that I did. For sure. No, that's awesome. And then what advice would you give 18 year old April? Okay. I, I think my, I think my advice would be to say no more. Right? <laughs> like it is, it is very easy. And I think this is kind of parallel to, to kind of what we were talking about before and taking a breath before you, you answer something. Same thing with you, you don't have to go chasing everything that's out there, right? As an 18 year old that, you know, uh, it, it kind of seems like you were saying with your, with your teenage daughters, right? That, that everything seems like it has to happen right now and you have to do everything. And, um, you know, I don't think that that hurt me in the long run, but I think that, you know, my life would have been a little, it would have been a little less chaotic had I said no to a little bit more stuff, right? So. No is a, a powerful word that for some reason, a lot of people are very, maybe not scared, but have a hard time saying it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so that makes sense. I mean, I, I think all of us at that, for not all of us, most of us probably at 18 want to go in 20 different directions mm-hmm. all at the same time. So I, I get it. It makes a lot of sense. I don't know if I'd listen to myself, but <laughs> exactly right. That's the, that's the point, right? So, yeah. so okay, that's a great answer. And then I always think this is interesting too, because how we view ourselves versus other people is very different. But what is something that people misunderstand about you the most? Um, I think that you know people 
people do, and I, I, I you know, I, I hesitate to bring this up quite so much, but, <laughs> but as a woman founder, frankly, and as a younger female founder, I think that there is often a lot of kind of discounting of, you know, say, I, I actually have had quite a bit of experience running businesses, right? So, and I have had quite a bit of life experience now and, you know, have had a lot of different um, industry experience and veterinary experience. And so I think kind of this, this discounting of, you know, what, what um, I can bring to the table or what, you know, my, my company can bring to the table is discounted sometimes, right? And so um, it's, a, it's a misunderstanding, let's say, I think for me, and I think generally speaking for, you know, I've had this conversation with a lot of other female founders and, and leaders in the veterinary industry. Um, and even though the veterinary industry is, you know, by the day more and more women, right, the, the new grads are it's 85 to 90 percent women actually graduating veterinary school now um, The the women still, you know, struggle to kind of, uh, you know, own practices or, you know, that their impact is, is often discounted. And I think it's changing, but that's changing slowly. So that's not an understanding, a misunderstanding for me specifically, I think, um, kind of industry-wide generally. For sure. I love that answer. That's a strong answer. All right. I don't, I, there's nothing I could, my, one of my daughters would be like waving your flag right now. Okay. Um, I like it. I like she, it. So right. I'm going to make her listen to this just okay. for that. Um, <laughs> on, kind of jumping kind of in the same waters of that yeah. one. If you could be remembered for one thing, yeah. what would it be? This is, I mean, this has come up a couple of times so far, but it's, it's making an impact, right? Whether that's an impact on the veterinary industry, like I love my profession, but my profession is in trouble right now um, with people leaving and mental health issues and shortages and angry customers and clients. And so I think that, you know, being able to make an impact, a positive impact on that industry is important. And I think being able to make an impact on, you know, animal care and therefore people being able to access veterinary care um, is very important too. And so, you know, for for people, whether it is a farmer that, you know, their their cows or their pigs or their livelihood, or if it's a pet owner that has, you know, a dog that's like their child, um, being able to to help animals and therefore, you know, help people and, and really make that impact is really what I want to be known for. That's awesome. I, I love that kind of what I feel the central theme through this entire conversation has, has been impact, mm -hmm. whether how mm -hmm. narrow or how broad that is. I, I love that that's a central theme to what you guys are doing over there. Um, last question. Okay. Well, second to last question. <laughs> what is the favorite trip that you've ever been on? Okay. So um, whether you want to call it a trip or whether you want to call it, you know, a, a, I, so I did something called a, called semester at sea when I was in college. And so I spent a summer, it was a summer semester um, on a boat and then stopping in, I think it was eight different ports in Europe the summer that I did it. They've done it, you know, in, in multiple areas of the world and and if you do it like in the fall or spring, you actually circumnavigate the globe, which is pretty amazing. But um, that was what I was young then. I was 19 or 20 the summer that I did that. And it really stoked my fire for travel and 
not just visiting places, but because it was tied with like college classes too, really understanding the cultures and global development and how, you know, different cultures and different peoples interact. And so, I mean, that's a big part of the reason that then I did choose to, you know, do my residency abroad um, and still, you know, travel quite a bit to this day. And so that definitely, that was by far my, my favorite trip because it was kind of the first one, right? So. Yeah, no. What a cool trip to have too, kind of going everywhere. I, I'm with you. I feel travel is really important to kind of open your eyes because we can get stuck looking here when there's everywhere else too. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So April, we, we've got it to the end. You've okay. done it. <laughs> Where can our listeners find you online? Absolutely. So they can check out our website at vetnow.com or I'm on LinkedIn and please, you know, connect with me and, and, uh, you know, send me a message there if you'd like to learn more. Awesome. So cool. Well, thank you so much for listening to the wise genetics podcast. This is Daryl. I was here with Dr. April Horball with Vet Now, and we'll see you guys next time.